0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
0: You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work.
2: Adam, it was another maddening Sunday in Broncos country. And not necessarily because of the outcome, but because we saw for the second week in a row what this offense is capable of when Drew Locke and the rest of the guys are just allowed to open it up. And as we were talking right before we started recording, why the hell can't they do this in the first half?
1: It is. It's insane. You're right. I, you watch you you watch them perform in the fourth quarter offensively, especially. And and I think that's where uh, that's where you just you just kind of shake your head and and just rub your temples and go, why do we have to wait three quarters before they can start actually performing? And, uh, you know, the, the thing that I think is is interesting, and we talked about this before we started recording it's not like the Falcons had switched to some prevent defense and were giving up all these chunk plays. All and and that's why and it wasn't just like garbage time touchdowns. You know, as 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 fantasy football players, we we know the value of a garbage time quarterback. And and Drew Lock might might look like that, but in both of these games, the you know the Chargers in in week eight and now now the Falcons in week nine, it's pretty apparent that both. Defenses hadn't really switched to some sort of prevent. We're just gonna be off ball. They were still they were still coming after the quarterback. They were still, you know, running what I would call their base defense. And for whatever reason, the Broncos offense, Drew Locke and, and everybody else, just doesn't turn it on till the fourth quarter. And I don't even know if it has anything to do with play calling at this point. Like I want to be mad at Pat Shermer. I don't even know if I can be mad at Pat Shermer. I I, I I'm I'm not mad at anything right now. It's such a weird feeling because it, it just is. It's obvious that they're close, but they've got to do it for a full game. You can't keep putting yourself in this hole and expecting to come back and win.
2: And that's why it's maddening. It's it, its not the outcome that's maddening. It's the fact that you can see it when they actually are able to do it or start to do it, whatever the reason, whatever the culprit is for why they're not doing it in the first half, that is on Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, and Mike Shula to figure out what are they doing in the fourth quarter that they're not doing in the first half. Because Andrew Mason tweeted out a statistic where the Broncos have trailed by double-digit points in five of the eight games going into into halftime. So that shows you, you can't continue to put yourself in a bind like the Broncos have this season. And my key to the game going into this game against the Falcons was to start fast. I I get that they didn't practice again this week. They had another day where they had to to go virtual. I, I, I get that. I get that they haven't had preseason. They haven't had training camp. So it's a work in progress. I'm not frustrated about that. I'm not, it's not maddening from that perspective. What is it that they're doing in the first half that allows them to flip the switch in the fourth quarter? And whatever it is, they need to figure it out because they were competitive. They still had a chance in this game, but you can't be down three touchdowns to a high-powered offense like the Atlanta Falcons. So that's where they're going to have to start figuring it out. I'm still going to preach patience because this offense is incredibly young. The defense was without its two best cornerbacks and its starting defensive tackle. It's It's a work in progress, but this is the area that is frustrating and maddening is putting it together for a full game.
1: Yeah, you, you you bring up the injuries, you bring up the issues that they've had throughout the season. Really, I mean, this this season began uh, on on an injury note with with what happened with Von Miller and the fact that uh, AJ Boye has not been able to stay healthy for more than a game at a time. Uh, Bryce Callahan uh, being ruled out sort of popped up out of nowhere. Uh, that you know he tried to go in warm-ups, and it just didn't feel right. And obviously, they're going to be safe with that. Uh, Shelby Harris and the, the COVID test that doesn't help the situation. And it's just, it feels as if every week it's something else, right? Every week it's a, it's another injury. It's an, it's another positive COVID test. So they're like you said, doing virtual meetings. It's, it's something that every team in the league is having to deal with. There's, there's, I don't want to start making excuses and not acknowledge that every team in the league is having to face some of these same, same challenges, but the challenges for this team started from the very beginning and they've dealt with them every week. And in dealing with them every week, it really does sort of show that this team has the potential to be very good, but for whatever reason, it just, it things just don't work out. And it's it's not like they played a perfect game either. We we watched that game and there were there were things that happened on the field where you just shake your head and you know sort of at the top of my head right now speaking of off the head is is the Philip Lindsay drop there at the end where the ball bounces off his helmet. That felt like something that was more indicative of what that game was like. It was just like they just couldn't quite get going at the start and then that was just sort of a replay of what was going on at the beginning of the game and I don't want to I don't want to jump on Phil there that's not fair but it is something that just kind of was like yep that's that's this game in a nutshell here we are we need something big and we can't quite get it when it matters and as that game progressed you know you're down by it you're down by a touchdown it's it's 34 27 you need something to happen there and they just couldn't make it happen but it doesn't like you said it doesn't make me I'm not mad at the team. I'm not. I'm not as frustrated as I was against the Chargers. When I watched that Chargers game, that one, I was, I was angry watching that game because of how terrible they played. For whatever reason, against the Falcons, I was a little less. Uh, I I, w- I wasn't as quick to just be angry about what was going on on the field, and I, I don't know what it was, but I felt like they could they could still kind of get some things done, but there has to be a shift. In the way that they approach the start of the game. And we can't keep making excuses as well as fans. We, we sit there and we watch every team, like I said, is dealing with all of the same you know injury concerns and COVID stuff and travel and this, that and the other. It's, it's all everybody's dealing with it. And so the Broncos have to figure out a way to get their offense, especially their offense into the game earlier. Because if you're just going to wait till the fourth quarter to play football games, you're going to lose most of those football games. I don't care how good you are in the fourth quarter. And that's something that is is very apparent by what has happened throughout the year. And the fact that they were the better team in the fourth quarter against the Falcons doesn't matter because they were so bad from quarters one through three. And it's not just the first half. It's the first three quarters. They don't seem to get into a game until almost the end of the third quarter before they really get that offense rolling. And that that. It's just not going to hold. You're going to lose games.
2: And those slow starts offensively is why you see the skewed statistics for uh, run calls to the amount of passes that Drew Locke had to throw. It's because they were down. You can't get the running game involved if you're down by three touchdowns. You have to go out and sling it. So I think that's where Pat Shermer and this offense can look at it and say – well, maybe instead of trying to establish the run so early, let's let Drew Locke come out and just sling it. Let's let him get in, involved in the game, and then that can set up the run game. What, if we can get out to a lead, then that's when we can have the defense have to start to stretch out. They're going to have to cover Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and now K.J. Hamler. I like the way they utilized him on that uh, reverse that kind of looked like a, an Andy Reid-Patrick Mahomes uh, esque type, type play to Tyreek Hill. That's what we thought that they could utilize with KJ Hamler with his speed and quickness. But that when you look at what they're able to do in the fourth quarter, maybe that's what they they need to start doing in the, first, in the first quarter, on their first drive of the game. Just come out and swing it. Let Drew Locke come out and play like that as he has the last two fourth quarters against the Chargers and the Falcons. Because you can't throw the ball 46 times and expect to win there's just no way because that shows that you're trailing it shows that you have you've had to come back and overcome another steep hill and you can't continue to put your team your defense your offense in a situation where you're constantly playing from behind
1: yeah it's a, it is it is sort of that it's it's kind of like Lather rinse repeat right now too we're sort of living in the same the same thing week in week out as fans, we're watching this team and they they don't seem to be making those adjustments. They don't seem to be recognizing what they're good at and what they're not good at, and then they don't seem to be be able to implement a game plan at the start of the game that is as successful as whatever it is that they they end up doing at the end of the game. I would I would love to see a little more up tempo. I think Drew Locke is is better as you as you go if you're if you're playing up tempo i think up tempo is something that helps young quarterbacks because it does eliminate certain aspects of the game that you don't have to worry about and if you can gain success and gain confidence then that's going to translate to being better down the road this is something that i think is difficult for a lot of fans and and it is frustrating The Denver Broncos are in the process of developing a quarterback. I think that they have made a commitment to Drew Locke that some fans are probably not as happy about because they don't see the improvement coming as fast as they would like. I think that one of the things that I have done, uh, and it really did start last week, is I've stepped back and I've just decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go along for the ride. Has Drew Locke been been great? Not very often, right? Most of the time he's been not great. He's a one read quarterback. He doesn't look off, you know, he doesn't look off safeties. He doesn't do certain things that I wish he would do. And so I'm frustrated by that, but I think that what is happening in Denver is this commitment to him that is going to uh, either prove that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL or prove that he can't. And then they'll have to move on. That being said, if you can do things that will put him in a position to be successful more often, that's going to expedite his ability to get better as they go. You have to put him in a position to be successful. They do that in the fourth quarter so much better than they do it in the first through third quarters. And, and it is. We are doing the same song and dance. It's, it's lather, rinse, repeat. We're, we're living through the same game week in and week out because, for whatever reason, the coaching staff can't seem to figure out how to put him into a, a position to be successful at the very beginning of a game. And, and I don't know how you change that moving forward. They they needed it to happen in this week. This was an opportunity for them to sort of make a claim for a spot in the playoffs this year. And I think after this loss, and this might play out, it might not, but I do kind of think this sort of takes the playoffs out of contention you're not you're not playing for the playoffs at this point, but you are still playing for the development of this young offense and, and and that's going to be key moving forward.
2: In terms of the playoffs, I think it's in my opinion, it's too early to say that just because this was an NFC opponent. So it's not going to have any impact on your AFC, your conference record or your divisional record. So the only the only instance where that where this loss could potentially impact the playoffs is if it's head to head. If it gets that far, because that's like the third tiebreaker. So in terms of Drew Locke's development, I think what we're seeing is a young quarterback. He's making the throws that make you go, why did he do that? But you remember, he's still basically a rookie. Despite his five starts last year, he's still a rookie. He's still developing. He's still learning how to play at an NFL caliber level. He's going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. That interception was horrible. But it happens. It's not going to be the last time. We've seen that from Brett Favre. We saw that from John Elway. Quarterbacks make that. What you want to do is mitigate it. You want to limit the amount of times that you do that. It's another learning experience. But I thought he played incredibly well in the fourth quarter. I thought that he was he was making throws. That touchdown to Tim Patrick, he threaded the needle and was a was a it was a perfect throw. It was it was a great throw. Build on that put him in the opportunity to have success by doing whatever it is you're doing in the fourth quarter in the first quarter i know it sounds simple but those who have listened to this podcast know we've t- we talk about this all the time coaching isn't that hard you put your you put your players in the position to have success you have to take your ego out of it you have to take well i'm going to be stubborn and i want to do it this way The successful coaches don't do that. The successful coaches put their players in a position to have success. They see what it is that has success, and they do it. I always go back to Bull Durham when Kevin Costner tells his manager, lay into him, and he says, this is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. Someone needs to tell that to some of these NFL coaches because I really do think they overthink it. And I think that's what we're seeing at the beginning of the game. Jeff Esri had a great point when he responded to Benjamin Albright. Rich Scangarello had remarkable 15 script game plans because he came from the, Sh- the Shanahan system. That's what Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan do so well is those scripted 15 plays. But what you saw with Sangarello, and I think it's one of the reasons he's no longer with the Broncos, is it fell off after that. What we're seeing with Pat Shermer, and it's why it's so maddening, is it's flipped the script. His scripted plays are dog crap. But once the game gets going, he's whether it's him or the – I don't know. But it flips. It's not that tough. Whatever you're doing in the fourth quarter, do it in the first. You've done it two weeks in a row. You have enough evidence now. You have enough tape.
1: He's got, you've got the tape. I love that. I actually, I did want to talk about a couple of those other touchdowns as well, though, because we we did see, and you made a good point, the throw to Tim Patrick was a phenomenal throw. The throw to Jerry Judy on that hitch route that ends up being a touchdown, Jerry Judy makes a great play, but Locke throws that ball before Judy comes out of his break. That's a nice timing play that I really enjoyed just seeing them. They clearly have worked on that. That's something that that they knew that they could execute, and they were able to execute it. Fantastic. And then the other thing I love to see, Drew Locke scores on that rushing touchdown, where he just lowers his shoulder and gets in. He takes the punishment, and he scores the touchdown. At a time when, let's let's face it, they probably aren't going to win that game, right? If you want to get into stats and win probability, it was still pretty low and and was was always going to remain at 0% apparently, but he still lowers his shoulder and goes for it. He wants to win. He's competitive. He's He's got that going for him, and I think the rest of this team follows him in that vein. I think he is a, a leader in that way. There are so many things about Drew Locke that are positives, that are good, right, that this is something that you can continue to build on and you you make a great point there the the 15 plays of rich scangarello maybe they could just call him and say hey would you be willing to script the first <laughs> is that is that a possibility just script the first 15 plays for us and then we've got it after that maybe that's what they need they need a they need a, an offensive coordinator advisor who runs things like in the shanahan mold and then you switch over to Pat Shermer and, and whatever else you're going to do at the end of the game. You just need that. You need like both sides of the coin there. Then maybe they win more games. Maybe they're more successful. I, I don't know. But, it, it could, hey, it could work.
2: Why not use Mike Shanahan? Ooh. Why not have Mike Shanahan come in and it, it help Pat Shermer and Mike Shula script these first 15 plays? I think Mike Shanahan would love that. I wonder what would be what would be the process
1: there. Like how do you, A, how do you approach that with your offensive coordinator right now and say to him, hey, you suck at this. We're going to bring in somebody else. And B, how do you approach that with Mike Shanahan where you just say, hey, we really like for you to just come in and be our OC for the first 15 plays and then go away. Like what, what does that meeting sound like? How does John Elway get that done?
2: Wouldn't it be kind of like a professor laureate where he's just like up at the top And if professors want to come to him and ask about lectures or whatever it is, he can advise them. He's not really putting it together. He's not the offensive coordinator. He's just being an advisor. So you bring in one of the best ever at the 15 scripted plays and just let him talk to Pat Shermer and Mike Shula. Say, okay, this is what you've done the last two weeks in the fourth quarter. Do that now in the first quarter. I think Mike Shanahan would love that. Now, it's obviously not going to happen because I think the offenses are completely different. Pat Shermer's is a version of of Andy Reid. But here's the thing. Andy Reid's system is a mold of Mike Holmgren. Mike Shanahan has his own offensive, but they both come from the Bill Walsh coaching tree. It's the Bill Walsh offense because both Mike Holmgren and Mike Shanahan were in San Francisco with Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. So, the, yeah, I—it's I, obviously not going to happen, but it's interesting. In terms of the defense, I really like the way the defense played as a whole. I—I'm I, not—I I think when you go against Julio Jones, I, I think the only cornerback the Broncos could have had—he was in the stadium. He was not—he well, was not suited up. But Champ Bailey probably could have shut down Julio Jones. He's probably the only one. Even A.J. Boye or Bryce Callahan aren't going to do it. I think the thing that stands out about the defense is why the hell did they not keep Devontae Boston?
0: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos!